Another week of sadness in the books. This is Compact Discourse. Alex Houston and Griggs Blankenberg with you here for Auburn University's one and only student-run drive-time morning sports show. It's the full morning show Monday through Thursday. But, oh, good Lord. What a weekend it was for Braves fans, I guess. And um, for some NFL teams. Yeah, but I mean, not for us. Not for us. No, we're we are in a constant state of pain, no matter what it is. Really, at this point, it seems to be that way. <sighs> but yeah, this is Compact Discourse Sports Edition, as always, uh, live from the Bradley Basden WEGL studio in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center, and. <sighs> Griggs, you were in the student section. Why don't you talk about it for a moment? Just what you saw, what you witnessed, all that nonsense in between. I mean, it's the same story as it was really a week beforehand. I mean, first half struggles, then followed by second half misery. I mean, you were up 17 points in the second. You were up, yeah, you were up 17 nothing in the second quarter. Then all of a sudden, here's the thing though. Here's the thing that's different for me than other people. I always had in my head, like, I never felt safe. I've learned now through being an Auburn fan for such a little time where it's never, it's always the hope that kills you. I'm like, okay, we have to get to halftime. We have to be able to do something to prove that we can hold this. We have to take the 17 lead to halftime. Then uh, someone, um, Jay Ward knocks the ball out of Robbie Astrid's hands. That's a fumble six. And then it all goes downhill from there. Just, But the thing we'll, I will say about the student section, though, is they were in it the whole time. Because it was close the whole time. It wasn't like we were getting blown out a lot. True. And then... The atmosphere was there yet again, as it always seems to it be. It always is there. But, again, man, just the turnovers. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. What are we now? Minus 12? Minus 11. Minus 11. Because the they technically did get one turnover at the game, so it's minus 11 now. True. That's... I mean, Robbie... With a 32 QBR, though, Robbie had his best passing game, I guess. His QBR was 32? Yeah. Well, that's not 19 great. for 30 to 8, 337 yards. But Coy Moore has a zero QBR, so it could always be worse. I suppose it could. I just – I was up in the booth, and there were people saying, oh, man, they, they could break this game open when it was 17 – or when it was 14 nothing." I'm like, nope. no, they won't. Because as much as Auburn's going to Auburn and being an Auburn fan seems to be, you know, the new, the new joke for whatever that's worth – this is uniquely a Brian Harson thing above anything else. They have lost a double-digit lead in their last five SEC games, losing four of those. South Carolina, Mississippi State, Alabama, and LSU were losses. Missouri might as well have been a loss. It felt like one. And the problem is it's just... I think the issue with Saturday's game is that it wasn't isolated to one particular thing. You know, the offensive line played decently well. In the run game, were they still getting a little blown off the spot? Yeah. However, I don't know how much that shocks up the scheme sometimes because they do run pretty much the same four or five run plays in succession. It just depends on where they are during the game and when they'll happen, but that seems to be the case. And the offensive line played decently well. In pass protection, they were pretty good. Um, Turnovers were once again an issue. The defense played great. You know, I remember watching the game at halftime going, okay, it's 17-14. LSU gets the ball first start the second half. They're going to score, and then it's going to be over. And the defense forced a three and out, or maybe it was a one first down and then a three and out. I don't remember exactly the specifics of that. But they do that, and you're like, okay, well, 
Defense is playing good. Defensive backs came to play. Kayshawn Boutte or Booty or however the heck you say that last name, to be honest. Got one reception. And then just no adjustments. Special teams became a problem. Anders Carlson is a liability now more than a a stability on this on this team. Special teams is no longer as stable as it was four or five years ago. Turnovers, randomly aggressive play calling, simple mistakes, including I don't know how many drives it was that were stalled by pre-snap penalties or by fumbles that were just recovered for a four or five yard loss on first down plays. Just madness. And I don't I don't know where to pinpoint it except to the coaching staff at this point. Because I mean, Yeah, I mean, but they didn't what was it? I'm looking at Nathan King's Twitter. He had the more of the best recap I saw. Uh LSU's quarterbacks ten for twenty six, eighty five yards. I mean, but that was that's abysmally bad. But you don't have to score. You don't have to go throw the ball or do any offense when you have the fumble six that happens. That exactly. doesn't count for any offensive yards. And then there are two touchdown drives for 63 yards and 77. Hanging out your defense to dry. Every other – I mean, the defense really just did everything right except those – when Auburn turned the ball over, those were the drives where they capitalized, which is something that teams have been doing against Auburn all season. Like exactly. The, the defense played well when it was – when Auburn would punt or whatnot or score – it just was the fact of when there was a turnover and LSU was able to gather up all that momentum from the defense and it transitioned to the offense. Even when their backup quarterback came in, Auburn really couldn't do much. Absolutely. I, it was still interesting how that happened. I think the injury happened, but I just didn't see that until like, huh, that's not the starting quarterback for LSU. That's Yeah, I don't know exactly how that happened. That was uh, Nussmeier. I think Garrett Nussmeier is his name. I think so. but I don't know. I don't remember last, the backup quarterback's last name. Um, I think that's exactly right to an extent because – the defense did play well. Now, did they get gashed a few times? Yes. LSU has a very talented offensive line. They've got a very great, good group of running backs. They've got a great running quarterback. That was going to happen. They did what they needed to do. They shut down an LSU passing game completely. LSU's receivers did not do the LSU offense any favor, dropping Lord knows how many passes it seemed oh, yeah. like. But it certainly was a good step by the defense. And more importantly, I'll say this as well, I think that you just got to question some of the aggressive play calling, like the 4th and 10 play on the the LSU 37-yard line. Punt the ball. Oscar Chapman's been one of the best short yardage punters in the game for a while now. That's been one of his best abilities, has been nailing people deep in their own territory from a short yardage. You didn't want Anders kicking that field goal, so why go for it? punt the ball, and get the ball back with field position and start back again. Instead, you give LSU all the momentum. You drop a fade, basically, to the end zone, which they were clearly looking for pass interference. But if your best play is pass interference... it's it's Yeah, you can't be passing the ball hoping for pass interference. Exactly, exactly. And that, I think, was the turning point of the game. Now, I just had uh, someone text me, is it all Harson's fault? I wouldn't say... Giving up a 17 nothing lead is mostly... Now... I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe that Harson has been set up to, to fail since February, and I believe that is going to affect him on the recruiting trail yes. and in forever. I think the fact that he even said it, that the Board of Trustees did not give him proper salary figures to negotiate contracts for assistant coaches. He said that. when He, when he, he said that upon then committing to come back to Auburn, which implies by just the logic that that's the truth. Because why would he make that up to burn that bridge and then say, I want to still work here, right? Yeah. So do with that information what you will. 
But when it comes to on the field, something has to give there. You know, something has to give with the fact that this offense was so different than we've seen all four games. Why did the offense suddenly get explosive? Why last week against Missouri did they treat Robbie like some guy that couldn't throw the ball more than four yards down the field? Then this week they said, let it rip, and he was slinging it. Mm-hmm. Why, why that sudden shift? LSU's pass defense is probably better than Missouri's, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. You're right. I think he has been set up to fail. I would not say it's all his fault. It's majority, yes. The second half adjustments, we have yet to score a touchdown in the second half in our last eight Power 5 games. Not good. We, bad. But very bad. People forget the Ole Miss game last year. They went up 28 to nothing and did not score again. I do. Yeah. Now that I remember. Yes, now I can remember that. But the fact of the matter is just I don't know what's – I'm looking at his buyout details. It's just you, – you've seen it, right, where it's like – it's not like it's dropping like an absurd amount where like Scott Frost would dropped in half at a certain point. Yeah. No, I think the most it could go down to is like if he goes coach the whole year, it's six hundred thousand less than if he were to do it after this week. But the fact of the matter is now that especially I was thinking maybe potentially bye week, but now the fact that Wisconsin fires Paul Christ after he had a nine win season last year and they they're I in believe, fairness they're pretty terrible this year. They're two yes, and three. They're two and three, but. Still, a nine-win Wisconsin team last year, a team that was still competing, like I believe, it two or years ago for the for the Big Ten title against Ohio State. That is true. That is, they were thirteen and one in twenty seventeen. They were. I mean, the nine-win Wisconsin. I mean, I. With the fact of the matter, I saw on Twitter this morning. It's like with the importance that an early signing day is and the transfer portal is now. You can't afford to wait it out now. Do you think that they're going to wait until they get a new AD before they make this decision? Or how does that even begin? Because that's the problem, too. Auburn doesn't have a current full-time athletic director. We're still have the interim level right now. That's true. I guess that depends on if the university believes Rich McGlynn is going to take over full-time. That's a a whole other debate for another time. I think think the, the issue is, yes, did the team turn the ball over four times? And were some of those out of his control, like the first fumble? Absolutely. Was the muffed punt out of his control? Absolutely. But you look at that coin more trick play pass. What are you doing running that at that point? You're in field goal range. Your defense is playing out of your mind. Be aggressive. Go for the end zone. Yeah, but you have Anders who can kick the field goal. Or you've got Alex McPherson if you really want to try something there. If you really think that Anders is not trustworthy that he kicked the field goal. I mean, that's the question. And now. then take the points. Then you're down 21-20. And then that final drive where Robbie threw his last interception, I mean, are you being that aggressive at that point? Probably not because you only need a field goal. My question is how much is the loyalty that Auburn has to the Carlsons going to affect McPherson? Because re- McPherson's ready to go probably. Just Anders has not been him himself since he came back from his torn ACL. That is a fact. I'll say this, Anders has been overrated through most of his career, and that's that's a discussion that we don't all want to have. Now, certainly, his injury has been tough, and he's a great guy, a great leader on the mm-hmm. team and whatnot, but yeah. his best year was the COVID year, which was 90%. He made 90 of his kicks. It was 22 kicks. But then the next best year was 72% of his kicks, which is not good. I think the fact that just people see what his brother has done – that's kind of kept him. Well, yeah, but Daniel Carlson's the second greatest college kicker that's ever lived. 
That that's just. I mean, you look up at. I I looked it up. CFP kicking stats. Why don't we do it right now before we go to a brief commercial break here? I mean, you pull it up right now. Um. As as he pulls it up, last thing I think I saw was like three point six. Auburn allowed three point six yards per uh, play for LSU. I think that's like the lowest it's been in years. Just wait, say that again. I think I saw. I think Justin Ferguson posted. I'm having to scroll back a little bit to, to look at it. I think Auburn. Um, he posted this right after the game. I have to find it. It was really good. Um, good stat. Yes, LSU averaged three point two two seven yards per passing attempt against Auburn. It's the lowest average Auburn has allowed to an SEC team since the two thousand eight win over Tennessee, which was two point seven nine, and Auburn lost this game. Well, I think that's a great, great spot to send it off to a commercial break. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Alex Houston and Griggs Blankenberg. We'll be right back after this to continue more Auburn football therapy. And remember. You can call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL to discuss any Auburn football, any Auburn sports that you want, and we will see you right after this. Back here inside the Bradley Bayesden W-E-G-L studio, Daniel Locke has joined the show. Daniel, how you doing this morning? Alex, I'm pretty good, all things considered. Things um, considered that game on Saturday, you mean? Yeah, but I'm enjoying my new broadcasting gig and just enjoyed watching some football this weekend, hanging out with friends, going to see the family later this week, so that's always fun. That, I, I'm in pretty good spirits today. That Saints game was a pretty tough one, though. Honestly... I don't really mind it that much. My article about it got like 300,000 views. It blew up. Whoa. I've never had an article do so well ever. Where'd you write it on? Whodatsnation.com. Would you, would you, was it just a game story? or? Yeah. I don't know how it blew up, but I'm guessing it just caught international wins. <laughs> but <laughs> my editor texted me this morning doing like, dude, you broke the site. And at first I was like, uh-oh. Um, like, is that <laughs> first bad? I was like, uh, oops. <laughs> and then he was like, no, like it, it did insane numbies. I was like, all right, bet. Let's so, see, I'm trying to find it. I think the Houdat Nation's the the side I was looking up for the Saints 2023 draft pick this morning, Alex. When we were talking about it, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm I'm looking at it right now. I want I want to find this article yeah. that, that destroyed a website. Let's see. Well, well, that's the Houdat shop. No, if all else not. fails, I'll just need a link. Houdat Nation. Okay, do that. It. Do that, please. I'm very curious now. Oh wait, no, wrong thing. Yeah, I got nothing, Daniel. You're gonna you're gonna need to send that out, my guy. I got you. Is the logo like a picture of like America with the Saints logo on New Orleans? Uh, no, Louisiana. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> Let's see. Was it a London calling? No, that's not it. I'll find it. I got you. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll continue this Auburn football discussion, and then probably have therapy about other sports teams because all of our teams are currently well. Not great. In the NFL, it's it's a tough one out here for us. <laughs> it's Andy Dalton time now. Hey man, it's uh it's Taylor Heineke time again. But we'll we'll again? get to, we'll get to we, I mean, well, least, you know at least both of you are not currently wishing Blake Bortles was your quarterback. Well but look here we are. look guys, ba- Baker Mayfield is about to be doubted by everyone, and that's when he plays at his best. Don't you know that? 
Yeah, it's the Baker Mayfield cycle. Be doubted by everyone, beat inferior opponent, film new commercial, then it starts. Then get whacked by an actually decent team. Like I wouldn't so be, I, be oh. I wouldn't be surprised if we beat the 49ers next week. Oh yeah, well the 49ers just, are not a good football team. And so. then we'll lose to like Atlanta or something. Hey man, Atlanta Atlanta's got Cordero Patterson. They're pretty good. Um this game <sighs> college football. I I just at this point I think the writing is on the wall, and I think anybody that thought he was going to be fired on Monday, really, when you think about it, the truth is, regardless of all the previous instances of the Bobby Louder jet gate, the whole stop the steal thing, if that ever even did happen, whatever happened in February, I think... The Auburn administration is in a cycle like the Baker Mayfield cycle where they do something crazy, they get caught about it, and therefore don't do anything about it, and then they get they overcorrect and worry way too much about what people think, and then they do something crazy again. They get caught, they overcorrect, around and around we go, and we're at the worrying way too much about what the, not way too much, but worrying about what the fan base will think and what the players will think, because one of the big things, and I did a project on this that happened in February, was that you know, nowadays, players are as vocal as ever, and all the players basically called them out and said they wanted to talk about Coach Harson, and how they wanted to keep him around. Do with that information what you will. And then now, I don't think they're going to put this team and whoever the interim head coach is in a short week heading to Georgia because that's you might as well tie the team's hands behind their back and just have Georgia drop 80 on them because that's what would happen. As a, It should be terrible. You have a, you're a 28-point underdog to a Georgia team who is – it was very good still. They had their struggles at Missouri, but 28 points in a rivalry game. I don't remember the last time George, Auburn beat Georgia, but the question is now, is it becoming like that ten, Alabama-Tennessee rivalry where it's just so one-sided, just nothing ever seems to go the other team's way? That's how I've kind of seen it since I started following Auburn, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I – Daniel, you got any thoughts over there? You look like you're deep deep in thought. Yeah, just trying to find my article. I'm about to just text my editor. you like, send me the link <laughs> so drop, drop the link. Okay, yeah, um, I got you. I got you. Okay, so my whole thought, or, or just, sorry, I haven't been paying the most attention. We're talking about Harson, correct? Uh, and just Auburn football and what they're going to do over the next few weeks. Okay, great. So, obviously, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're heading in for a rough day Saturday, right? Then we've got Ole Miss, which has the potential to be another rough day as they just took down the number seven team in the country. And then just then the bye week. And that's when I think this whole thing happens. However, I mean, people saying that we should give Harson through the end of the year, I don't agree because you save $600,000, which yeah. is a lot of money for the three of us. Don't get me wrong. But for Auburn University, that's like 20 students. Justin Ferguson so, tweeted it on Sunday. He said, y'all, y'all don't realize how, how little that money is to rich people when they want something to be done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, for years, oh, why why, why haven't they built a footballing facility? Because it's really expensive. And then they did, and they dropped the bag on it, right? Like, it's it's state-of-the-art, that footballing facility that they're building on Wire Road, right? It's yeah. it's next level. For years, we heard that that was too much money, yada, yada, yada. And the money, the price tag only went up and up, and they just did it, right? And yeah. the, it money is nothing but an object. Like, it doesn't matter if the people who have the money to do it want it to happen. Let's be clear on that. 
Texas A&M, 100 million dollars was a big big amount a few years ago, but then they wanted to sign Jimbo Fisher, so they did to 100 million dollar contract. Now if they aged want to, horribly. Now if they want to fire him, they got to pay aged, him 90 million. Aged horribly, but we'll certainly get to that at some point. We're about to do the college football scoreboard in a few minutes. But let's yeah, I think I think it's a very fair point. I really I'm going to say this. I mean, this is not any any opinion on I don't have any opinion on whether or not he should be fired or not. You know, this is not that kind of discussion to have, but the fact of the matter is I said it on on Sunday, the dude's been marked for death since February. Anybody that thought he wasn't gonna, he was going to get fired if they went seven and five, going nine and three was probably the only way to be safe. I, Honestly, I disagree with the seven and five thing as a broad statement. I definitely think there's an avenue that they go seven and five and he gets fired, but it depends on what those seven wins are. That's true, but I mean, I just think they were itching for it either way. I think so. But then um, again, maybe we're at that point where they worry too, where they worry about what people think and they wouldn't do it. But Again, I, I just think he was marked to be fired for a while. And I think at this point, again, it's going to go back to the drawing board. I do think they'll wait till the new AD comes in because here's the thing. Regardless, you have till the end of football season to bring in an AD. You know, you don't, I mean, you can wait until the end of the interim head coach, whoever experienced. It's probably going to be Zach Etheridge, right? That's probably the choice. But, you know, Griggs and I are going to the press conference today and we'll see exactly what he says. That is Brian Harson about a lot of things. And we'll certainly cover that. But now, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's the favorite segment of the year or of the uh, of of the day, the college football say, scoreboard. That's pretty high praise, no? hey, nine, yeah. I admittedly I got a little got a little out of sorts there, but we're about to do the college football scoreboard here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. This is Compact Discourse and a lot of craziness in the world of college football. BYU and some Thursday night. Independent action. I don't know what you would call that. Beat Utah State 38 to 26. UCLA upsets Washington in a half-empty Rose Bowl, 40 to 32. Michigan handily beats Iowa as the Wolverines are 5 and 0, winning 27 to 14 in Kinnick Stadium. Kansas State wins again. The Wildcats beat Texas Tech 37 to 28. Purdue upsets Minnesota, formerly undefeated. The Boilermakers won 22 10. And Miss Ole Miss. Handles Kentucky at home. The Rebels are 5-0, and the Wildcats had a poor offense, 22-19. TCU annihilates Oklahoma, 55-24. The Horned Frogs are undefeated. Utah destroyed Oregon State, 42-16. The Pac-12 team is on a four-win, four-game winning streak. Wake Forest handles FSU in Tallahassee, 31-21. Ohio State annihilates the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 49-10. Penn State in a dogfight with Northwestern. The Nittany Lions won 17-7. Alabama had a close one. Bryce Young went down, but the Crimson Tide rolled again 49-26 in Fayetteville. Good one. What? Good one. Ah, thank you. Oklahoma State is undefeated again. This Mike Gundy team is playing for a Big 12 championship. They beat the Baylor Bears 36-25. Mississippi State. Runs through Texas A&M. Good Lord, 42-24. to And then Clemson holds on against the North or the NC State Wolfpack in Death Valley. The Tigers are 5-0 after winning 30-20 at College Game Day. UGA survives. The Bulldogs have a bit more bark and bite against the Missouri Tigers. Coming back from behind to win 26-22. Georgia Tech upset over Pitt. What is happening in the ACC? The Yellow Jackets won 26-21. USC easily handles Arizona State in a game that ended at midnight, 
42 to 25, and Oregon destroys a Stanford team that is listless under David Shaw, 45 to 27. And that, ladies and gentlemen, has been your college football scoreboard, except we're forgetting one very important game, ladies and gentlemen. The Kansas Jayhawks are 5-0, and, oh, and, and college game day. game day is going to Lawrence, Kansas. If you had told me that when I was getting ready to head to Auburn in August of 2021 that, hey, Daniel, Kansas is going to get game day before Auburn does, I've been like, okay, you're an idiot, but all right. You're entitled to that opinion, but no. And not, sure enough, week six of my sophomore year, it happens. And not to mention, it's going to be a great game against an undefeated TCU, TCU team, a very good TCU team as well. It's going to be a fun game. The Kansas Jayhawks is a complete and utter turnaround. Now, we're going to end this with the last 45 seconds. few things. One, Texas A&M's offense might be one of the worst things I've ever laid my eyes upon. Mm-hmm. Jimbo said it was execution issues, and I'm like, are you really sure about that? The, man, the man's running around with looking like he's got the McDonald's menu at hand. I don't really know what's going on there. I don't hate on the McDonald's I'm menu. not. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm just like, pointing at like, the fact like, that it's large. It's like the Andy Reid thing, but Andy Reid's actually Exactly, worse. but Andy Reid's a genius yes, offensively. There's that. And Have you all seen that Family Guy cut off with Peter Griffin with the Denny's menu? Like, coaching back. Oh, yes. I've actually yeah. not. I'll, I'll show we'll, you. In we'll watch it during the break. And lastly, who's the guest picker for Kansas? Go. I hope it's not Danny Manning as a former week basketball I'm going to guess a basketball player of some kind. Akeem Tlaib? Wow. Andrew Wiggins, maybe? Okay, Akeem Tlaib would be wild. Akeem Tlaib would be awesome. Love Akeem Tlaib. Or the great Mark Mangino. Les Miles. <laughs> no. Best coach in school history? No. Actually, if we're getting real technical here, the best coach in school history is probably Mark Mangino, except he, again, got fired for abusing his players. So do with that information what you will. And with that, we're going to go to a commercial break. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Maybe some college ball next. Maybe some NFL next. We have no idea what we're doing, but this is College Radio. Once again, here in the WEGL, Bradley Baisden Studio, this is Compact Discourse on Weagle, 91.1 FM, Auburn's one and only student-run radio show, and Auburn's one and only drive-time morning show run by Auburn University students. Alex Houston, Griggs Blankenberg, Daniel Locke, co-hosts of the Eagle's Nest in the studio? That's what the show's called. Mm. Indeed it is. Well, do the Eagle's Nest hosts have any expert opinion on do we want to go to the NFL? Do we have any final thoughts on college football? Uh, I, we... I have one more uh, final thought. Go on ahead, Daniel. Football. Take it with me. I got one, too. Um, take, take them both, then. You know what, Griggs? Mine is just so beautiful. Why don't you go first for us today? Lord have mercy. You sure? Um, yeah, yeah, go, go for ahead. it. Georgia and Bama, just an interesting duo. They both have struggled on the road, it seems like, so far. And then Georgia struggled against Kent State. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. Until one of them loses, it's going to flip-flop a lot between – who's number one and who's number two week by week. But that's what I'm getting from that. But they're still two of the best in the country. Maybe even Ohio State breaks through if they get a big ranked win coming soon. I just I – I'm hard-pressed to ever believe that anybody can compete with Alabama and Georgia at this point. It's just – it's. I mean, it – even, you know, we all thought, oh, maybe, you know, the COVID year they'll be weakened or whatever. And then, nope, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith were co-winners of the Heisman along with – 
Najee Harris or whatnot. And then last year, Alabama blows Georgia out of the out of the or the formerly Georgia Dome, now Mercedes-Benz Stadium, in the SC Championship game. And then the opposite happens. How the heck did that even happen? But maybe you're right. It's hard to win against a team twice. The fact of the matter is that the 12-team playoffs not going to solve anything, and Alabama and Georgia are still going to beat the 12th and 11th seed by 50, and that's the end of it. But Daniel. On to you and your beautiful take, or whatever the heck you use to describe that nonsense. Oh, this isn't a take. Oh, no. I'm just very excited for this game. Oh, no. So, Saturday. Saturday, as in next Saturday? Yeah. This upcoming. Um, hold on. I think I was wrong about that. I don't think it's Saturday looking at the date. Just give me two seconds. Oh, it's a Friday night. Oh, yes. Even better. So, on Friday night at 6 p.m., taking place in the beautiful, beautiful Piscataway, New Jersey, Shy Stadium. The Nebraska Cornhuskers are going for what is sure to just be an amazing game, and I can't wait. All right, that's it. And then, Well, who are they playing in that game, Daniel? I just said the Nebraska Cornhuskers are going to Piscataway, New Jersey. I, I don't To play. Rutgers. You didn't say that. Well, I mean, come on. How on earth is anybody supposed to know that Rutgers? Y'all don't is in... know random college towns. I mean, I, mean, I, I know, know some, few, but not, I know Piscataway. I knew it because I looked it up. But man, so this 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 image reminds me of a tweet I saw about the fact that they can't. Somebody said they can't wait to watch USC play Wisconsin in a slugfest in the snow in December no. or no. in November. And this is the same thing. Why is Nebraska playing Rutgers? Because Why? they're in the Big Ten. Big Ten. Well, yeah, but they shouldn't Question be. Is the point? Yeah. They, sh- they shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Is the I point I'm making here? I, I disagree. But it's terrible. It's, Conferences were built for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because yeah. here's the thing. I, I like say, to embrace the new wave, Alex. Uh, you know, I, I can be progressive and embrace the new wave, but here's the thing. Here, here's here's my, my opinion on the matter, and it may be the truth of the matter, depending on who you talk to, is the fact that everybody's really excited for Texas and Oklahoma to join the SEC. And, like, I talked to Jacob Hillman about it last year. He's like, oh, man, I can't wait to go to Darrell K. Royal and Gaylord Memorial Stadium, both really cool stadiums. But – Let's think about what's happened with the two teams that have already joined the SC from the Big 12. Missouri, nobody cares about playing them, by the way. They made the SC championship in 2013. True. And exactly. And they did it twice, and still people don't care. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they did then. They literally they, have. They, they really they, don't. They, they really didn't they then either. They contribute nothing really to the SC. Exactly. Specifically in, They've in football. They've had good basketball. That's true. That's true. But even, even then, it's just there's not like LSU, no matter how bad Auburn and LSU both are, I always find myself caring about that game, right? Even A&M. A&M has had, had as good a first 10 years in a conference as any team can ever have. They I don't necessarily agree. Considering you're in the same division as Alabama and Auburn and considering all that's happened, I would say yes just because they've not been bad. They've not had a losing record. They have been competitive with the teams within their division for 10 years. And that's better than what you can say for Missouri the last eight years. I yeah. don't know. I don't necessarily agree. I see where you're coming from, and I'm not saying it wrong. I just don't think I. Well, what else agree. are they supposed to do exactly? I mean, they get that Atlanta. That that's it. True, but I mean, in fairness, they have run into generational teams from a number of you know. I mean, whether it was the well, 2017 Auburn team or 2012 to 2015 Alabama. What about the 2014 Alabama Crimson Tide, who just from for Alabama standards were not that good. And A&M was supposed to have – I know you're going to have a step back from Manziel being gone. That was the first year without him in the SEC. 
But then they go to Tuscaloosa and give you 59 and nothing. I was at that I, game. I, I, agree, I agree with that. I, I was more even talking about everything except Alabama because I think the Alabama A&M rivalry is so overrated. And I think just— Wait, people call that a rivalry now? It's getting primetime SEC billing this Saturday. Uh, just that's to be, all because they were, That's just state. because really they were like arguing at the beginning of the year and stuff. Well, no, no, no. No, it's because the SEC and CBS keeps picking one game to be primetime and prop it up. Because, mind you, they propped up the LSU-Alabama rivalry for years despite the fact that it meant nothing. And, hey, they made A&M-Alabama the, the night game last year, too, and that ended up turning out pretty well. True. Well, yeah, that's that's the CBS night game curse is that it, it's ended up being a good game once a decade. And that's pretty much what happens. Yeah. But anyway, the, the point is, I think they've done pretty well competing with everybody else in the conference. Again, Missouri got those two runs, but that was also when Georgia and everybody in the SEC was terrible in 2013-2014. Florida was awful. Georgia was not very good. Nobody really was. Even South Carolina was at the end of their run with Spurrier. Yeah. They've done all that, and I still don't really care. Yeah. Like, even even going down the line, I care more about the Arkansas game on November 29th or October 29th than I do about the Texas M game November 12th. And my point is, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be cool for the first four or five meetings, and then it's just going to devolve to a game that has no history, no significant backing to it. I mean, unless unless they have Manziel that upsets Alabama, right? That's how A and M and Alabama fans care about that because of that. But even then, it doesn't matter now because they win. 58 to nothing. Even the year A&M was 9 and 1 and almost in the playoff during COVID, they still lost to Alabama like 50 to 10. By the I way. They lost to Auburn. True they did in one of the worst games I've ever watched. I was on the ninth row for that game. It was a ugh, it was a bad game. But I I don't know. I just I just think that conference expansion is eye-popping. Wow, fun, cool. You're going to get to play this team you never played before and then after a few years you realize that you don't actually care. Uh yeah. I see where you're coming from. Rivalries are what makes college football the best the best sport in sports. Not like think about it, even in the NFL, what are the, what are the games that you guys always tune into? Um Saints Bucks. Um, pa- uh, besides my own team really. Besides uh, your okay, own okay, team. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, that, 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 that's fair. That's a good one. The, okay, Packers Bears. The, I was, love Packers I was Bears. Say, and then the Ravens Steelers, yes. Cowboys Eagles. I was going to say um, Cowboys and jo- anybody in the NFC really, they all hate each other. I really, Niners I really will watch any Sunday night football game. Um, any just random games. Um, Dolphins, Pats. You're always in for a good time. Exactly. And what do those games that Daniel just mentioned, those games that you happen to agree with, have in common? Division. Division, mm. history, rivalry. The Steelers and the Ravens have hated each other for 20 years, and it's awesome. Yeah. The Bears and Packers have hated each other since before – College football was even organized. Okay, I got one. You, you know a good, in my opinion, non-divisional NFL rivalry that I've it's coming up, and it, they've had a few playoff matches, and I just find it really fun. Titans, Ravens. Yeah, that's a good one. That that that's a good, but that's a good that's a good non-rivalry one. But the point is, what makes college football so great is that it has those rivalries that have even more history than the NFL. True. Why do we care about Georgia, even though Auburn gets blown out every single time? Because the War Eagle. Exactly, because it nosedived in the middle. All my uh, extended family were in town, and they had not heard that story before, and they they loved that story. But anyway. I've saved it in my notes my, whenever my friends ask, why are Auburn? I, I've memorized as much yeah. as I could, I just, honestly. I just save it and send it. I'm like, by the way, it died at the end of the game. It was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Best Eagle flight I've ever seen. <laughs> we won that game, though. <laughs> are you making a joke? Saturday? I'm talking about the the actual story about the one that died in 1892. Oh no, I wasn't trying. Oh. No, I was yeah. talking about Saturday. Yeah, no, Saturday cool. flight was yeah, pretty yeah. good. Pretty. I don't, no, I don't know I, what, I what was talking. in that bird on Saturday, but he he was doing a good job. I wasn't but, talking about the one that. Died. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I just think that that's what 
people that are missing is that that's what makes college football so special. Like at the end of the day, USC and Ohio State's going to matter for five years, and then nobody's going to care about it anymore. I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to make it. That's fair. That's fair. But Griggs, are you ready for the NFL scoreboard? Because I think we're running out of yes, time let, here. I will do the NFL scoreboard. Let's get it. All right, excellent. I'm going to start <clears> it up right. Oh wait. Oh no. And here we go. Starting off Thursday night, two of Tungavailoa had a scare, and so the Dolphins. The Bengals ended up winning that one, 27-15 behind Joe Burrow. They are now two wins now the season. Moving on now to the Lunder down under, or not down under, we were at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The Vikings defeated the Saints off a Cody Parkey lookalike double doink from Will Lutz, even though beforehand he hit a 60-yarder pretty good, but still the Vikings come out of that one 28-25. Moving on now to Atlanta, the Falcons are now tied at the top of the NFC South, defeating the Jacoby Brissett let Browns. Cordell Patterson continuing to be a big factor for the Falcons. Moving on to Washington, uh, down to Dallas. The Cowboys defeat the Commanders 25-10. Cooper Rush 4-0 as a starter in the National Football League. Moving up to Detroit in what looked like a Big 12 game. The Seahawks defeated the Lions 48-45. Geno Smith gets another win in the Seahawks uniform. And it was a score-gami. First time ever 48-45 happened in an NFL game. That's pretty cool to see. Next, we go to Indianapolis where the roof was open, but the Titan, the Colts receivers were not as the Titans come out of that one victorious 24-17. Moving on to the Meadowlands, the Giants defeat the Bears. Going leading into this game, people thought would be the worst game of the NFL season. The Giants pull this one out 20-12. Now to one of the best games of the weekend, so uh, this weekend, it was Eagles-Jaguars where Jalen Hurts defeats Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars 29-21, where the Eagles are the only undefeated team left in the National Football League. Down to Pittsburgh, where Kenny Pickett came in in the second half, completed every pass he threw. Well, if you count the interceptions, that is three interceptions. The Jets win that one 24-20. Next, we go to Baltimore. The Ravens lose to the Buffalo Bills on a game-winning kick. The Bills defeat them 23-20. Now to the Texans, Chargers down in Houston. The Chargers come out of this one victorious, 10-point victory, 34-24, and the Texans are still the only winless, they are ahead of one tie, winless team in the NFL. Next we go to the Green Bay where the Packers were in a little bit of a scare for a little while with against Bailey Zappi and the Patriots, but Mason Crosby comes out and does what he always did, wins that one 27-24. Next, the Raiders get their first win of the year down in Las Vegas. They defeat the Russell Wilson-led Broncos 32-23. And finally, on Sunday Night Football, in a huge scoring game, the Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes, outlast Tom Brady and the Bucks down in Tampa 41-31. The Bucks are tied with the Falcons for the top of the NFC South. And that was your NFL scoreboard run-through here on Compact Discourse. And you finished with just 10 seconds to spare. That was a close Boom. one, Briggs. Excellent work. Oh, I forgot work. the Panthers game. Uh, Panthers lose to the Cardinals 26-16. Conveniently Not, forgetting that game. Matt, yeah, Matt Rule is now 1-26 or 27 when allowing the other team to score 17 It's 27, points. I think. Wait, no. Wait, yes. 27. They're still very bad. It's bad. Maybe Dennis Allen isn't so bad. Well, well that field goal at the end was heartbreaking. Yeah. Off the upright and off the crossbar. Honestly... I knew it was coming. He would have made it from like 65, though. Uh, probably. Um, I don't know. Just, just I've accepted that this team. I didn't. I didn't buy all their hype. I just don't really think that they're going to do anything this year. I just don't think they have it. So I'm just kind of enjoying it for what it is. It, and 
I'm done letting my football teams control my mood this year. Is Will Lutz back, though? I'm not. Uh, no. He's not back? Oh, not he's yet. not back. Not yet. That's unfortunate. No, he's um, back as in he's there. He's just not back in his head. Interesting. He's not back mentally. Well, all I know is Washington is not going anywhere either because we're stuck with Ron Rivera, but we'll see what you, happens Ron. with that. What, you, 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 you want to trade? You miss Ron Rivera? And when, you, when you get Matt Rule, yes. You guys can have Matt Matt or not Matt Ryan. I don't want Matt Rule. Wait. Ron Rivera. Lord have mercy. I'm, I'm out here messing up names and everything. Yeah, after the game, he said, um, a lot of positives to take away from a 25-10 to 10 loss to a backup quarterback in Dallas. But Cooper I'm fine. Is, Cooper Rush is the future. Everything's fine. We're all fine here. This is Compact Discourse, and we're going through. We got our last segment coming up, and we will see you right after this brief PSA break on Weagle 91.1 FM. I don't know if I like this music. We're going to try another one, actually. As this is Compact Discourse. I'm, let's, see what, let's see what Comeback Number 4 is. Yes. I like this one. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM in the Bradley Basin WEGL studio. Alex Houston, Griggs Blankenberg, Daniel Locke. <sighs> you know, my weekend was pretty cool, actually, because even though the game was a loss, I had a bunch of family in town who had never been to an Auburn game or even been in Auburn before. And I think they were pretty impressed. Yeah. They gave them pom-poms. They wore, they wore the right color orange, so we're good. A lot um, of my family's from Louisiana, and they came up. We had a good ah, time. W's. There we go. Yeah, they they were impressed with the Jumbotron and the light show, and I'm like, that's all I can ask for. They yeah. also went to Four Corners, which I had not been to before, and apparently it's really, really fun. It is. I just, you know, with the student tickets, you, you can't go because you have mm-hmm. to be in the stadium at four at two hours beforehand. What's Four Corners? Four Corners is this band pep rally that they do basically at 4.45. Yeah. So it's an hour and 50 minutes before the game, and they'll meet. It used to be actually Four Corners, but they stripped it down to basically two corners just because it was exhausting because the band's old routine used to be crazy because they would basically, um, where Heisman and Donahue intersect, the band just marches down, meeting each other, playing music at each other, and they come together and play a, a song, do a pep rally, lead some chants and whatnot. Which I and they also had like the drum line doing a performance in front of the stadium at two o'clock on Saturday, which was pretty cool as well. But yeah, it's it's basically part of the pep rally and what the march around the stadium used to be until they put it down to just doing it in front of the students, which is fair because that's a lot of walking in this in this southern heat. Yeah. But yeah, I think they 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 had a pretty good time. Went to the irritable bow for lunch on Friday, which smacks so good. So good. Going during a school day when you're not in class. Excellent, because nobody's there. Right. Brilliant. Brilliant. But yeah, I think I think they were pretty impressed. I had to build a whole itinerary of stuff. Had to give them as much information. My uncle almost stepped on the seal, and I was like, I don't know how. How does that affect non-Auburn people, really? Well, uh, remember, because what the the seal the seal thing is, you won't find love. You won't graduate in four years. And what's the third one? Uh, uh, you'll marry now. Seven uh, generations yeah. of Bama fans, or something. <laughs> so, all right. Well, first of all, if you've already found love, then it might go away. <laughs> Uh, your degree might get revoked. Yeah, you, you never know. And well, the Bama fan thing that 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 sticks that's always, around. That's always a that that. How that, can your degree get revoked, Daniel? I don't know. How can stepping on the seal have a mythical I mean, impact? If, period. Well, I mean, I guess if you had a degree from Trump University, that's probably not worth anything. Mm. But yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Too soon, boom. No, no, not soon enough. Soon enough. Or not, not soon enough. 
brilliant. Um, what do we want yeah. to talk about? For I, like don't three minutes? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I have an idea. Go ahead. Oh, no. Auburn men's club hockey is oh. off to a, what? I, I have what? an I have an idea. I bought an Auburn gymnastics shirt oh, wow. at the oh, bookstore, yeah. and I'm very hyped for gymnastics. gymnastics. How about that? Oh yeah, I'm very excited. Gymnastics. Yeah. gymnastics. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good year. Oh, actually, you know what? You know what? This is Weagle, where we broadcasted Auburn volleyball, ladies and gentlemen. Undefeated. Let's go. Undefeated. Fourteen and zero for the first time ever, or at least the first time since rally scoring was proving started, haters I wrong. I have a little fun fact about that. If they win one more game. They could lose out and have not have a losing record, which would be the first winning record or well, be a 500 neutral. record yeah, yeah, yeah. since at least 2019 at best. BC's the real deal. Lock him up Brent for Crouch. life today, Brent. Brent oh Brent. yes, Brent. yes. Brent. Lock him up for life. Like, I mean, what a hire and what how? I mean, that has panned out so well, obviously, because again. You know, I've had people ask me, like, oh, have they played a ranked opponent? Like, my cousin who was in town, he's a big volleyball player. He played volleyball up in Indiana. And for the Hoosiers? No, 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 no. Uh, for, for his high school. He goes, to da- he goes to Dayton now, actually. Ah, um, go, go Flyers. And he asked if they played Kentucky because Kentucky's one of the better programs in the yeah. SEC. And I was like, no, they haven't. But I stressed with paramount importance the fact that in COVID, this team did not win a set. They, they were 0-8, set. and they, they did not win a they set. horrible. The year before that, they won one conference game. So yeah. sure, Alabama, and Mississippi State. Well, Alabama's not great. Mississippi State, they're, they're solid. Pretty, they're a pretty good team. They're pretty solid. And Auburn they have was, a ranked win. Auburn was not beating those solid teams two years ago, last right. year even. Look, man, take it in. And not to mention the fact that somebody tweeted this, and I think this is a brilliant place to end it. Jeff Graba, Bruce Pearl, and Brent Crouch are all in a race to get the court named after them. Because <laughs> whoever whoever does the best in our, in Neville Arena in the next ten years is probably going to get the court named after. I mean, oh, I have an idea. it's it's going to be Bruce Pearl Court. You had an idea? Yeah. The Brent Crouch floor at the Bruce Pearl Court at the Dre- Jeff uh, Graba Stadium at the Neville Coliseum. How how you, how I feel? The thing the thing is, it, like it, in theory, in theory, like an the gymnastics acronym. floor, the volleyball court, and the basketball court are all technically different. True. Because the volleyball court is one they put down. Gymnastics obviously is the Jeff Graba floor, or the Sunni Lee floor. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If any, if, if honestly, if it'd be any player, it'd be the Darion Goborn floor. Fair enough. But that's because Darion is the queen. Player, quite, quite literally. Gymnastics oh, player. I, I made a mistake. Um, my cousin played volleyball in Ohio, not Indiana. That's oh wow, em, that's embarrassing. Shout out your cousin for listening there, right? It, on it, the live. Show. Well, actually, my mom corrected me uh, on that uh, one. So unfortunately, Houston, I I, apo- I, apo- I apologize for that mistake. But with that note. I think we're going to have to head out of here. we got a show coming out after us. The shout-out will be live at 9 o'clock. This has been Compact Discourse in the WGL studio on Weagle 91.1 FM. Alex Houston, Griggs Blankenberg, Daniel Locke, thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next Monday, but don't go anywhere because the shout-out is coming at 9 a.m. this morning. And then tomorrow, we will have another Compact Discourse, different host, same time, same absurd content. And tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Smooth Operator special before fall break edition show. So going to be excellent. 11 p.m. live on Weagle 91.1 FM. And again, we thank you for joining us. And we will see you all next week.